And after his testimony, if you can cut it and then put it back on when our message begins. That way you have a testimony on the web, and right after the testimony comes the message. Les, what, what happened? Well, this, this testimony starts about two years ago. I was uh, leading Saturday morning men's prayer, helping the men learn to hear, hear the prophetic word of God. And uh, each morning after men's Saturday prayer, we would go to Stater Brothers, and I would do some shopping uh, before I go home. And there was always this uh, lady who was in the, the chip aisle who would stack the chips up. And I would always say hi to her because I like to buy chips. But I would never really talk to her. So, but I had been practicing trying to hear from the Lord. So I would always say, Lord, if you have anything that I could give to her today to encourage her, I'll release it. So she walks by me as I'm in the checkout line. And all of a sudden I get a picture of her with a small child about the age of eight. And the Lord puts a message in my heart that her daughter is sick. She's got a condition the doctors can't diagnose. And he wants me to tell her that this girl is going to be okay and to quit worrying about her. It was a pretty specific message. I mean, it's one of those where you didn't know that a moment ago, and it was pretty specific. I believe that was from God. So I walk out, put my groceries away. I go back in the store to tell her, and I can't find her. And I look all around. I even peek my head in the back where I'm not supposed to be, and I can't find her. So I walk out, and I'm like, Lord, if she's here, bring her out, because if that was a word from you, I want to release it. I didn't see her for three more weeks, and that word just burned in my heart because I knew it was from the Lord. So uh, on the fourth week, after men's prayer, I saw her there, and so I said, you know, every week I come, I'm coming from a prayer of men who want to learn to hear from God, and I felt like I got a message from you, would you like to hear it? And that piques curiosity usually in people, they want to hear what you have to say, and as I explained it to her, she goes, oh my gosh, she goes, my daughter is eight years old, and she's having seizures, and she's falling on the ground, and the doctors don't know what's going on. I just separated from my husband, and I've been praying to God about this, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, well, the fact that I would even know that you have a daughter that's eight years old who's having a medical problem should tell you that the Lord is in this. And if he says he's going to heal her, I have confidence that he will. So she just said, thank you for that. She said, it's a good thing you caught me today because today is the last day I'm going to work here. You wouldn't have seen me here anymore. So I thought, wow, that was pretty cool. So this week, I was having a pretty heavy week at work, and I just decided I needed to get out. I'm going to go to Vaughn's, and I'm going to get a few things that I know that we need at the house. And lo and behold, here is that lady after two years stacking chips at Vaughn's. And so I walk down the aisle, and I'm smiling, and she looks down at me, and she says hi. And I said, do you remember me? And she says, you know, you look familiar, but I can't really remember, you know, why. And I said, that story two years ago when I had this word from God about your daughter. I said, how is she doing? And she goes, oh my gosh. She goes, it was two years ago because I remember I had just separated from my husband. She has not had any kind of medical problems since then. She's perfect. That's awesome. Amen. Thank you, Les. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. At the end of their services, we always have our prayer teams down here uh, ready to pray. Over to one of the leading ladies in our congregation, Kirsten Clegg, uh, is highly respected in this house. She has been with us for many years. She's put up with Bruce for a long time. Um, and, uh, but sincerely, she's a woman of God. She has a gift of prophecy upon her. She's a really good teacher. 
but um, she knows God. And so we're going to watch a short video honoring moms, and then Kirsten's going to come up, and she's going to deliver the word today. So since I can't introduce her uh, because there's a video between, well, between us, can we just uh, clap our hands and welcome Kirsten, even though she's not coming up right now. Let's see this video. Moms are special. They don't look the same, act the same, or think the same. Some moms love a clean house. Other moms live in their own beautiful mess. Some moms stand up and cheer. Good morning. morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And happy Mother's Day to my mom. I love you. My mom was a great mom growing up. She loved us. She sacrificed for us. And um, I just... I owe a lot of who I am to her, so love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. All right, so this morning we're going to dive into this world of honor. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to prepare this morning, the word honor kept coming across my mind, and I thought, well, yeah, it's honor. We honor moms. That, why do I need to talk about honor? And God kept stressing the point where, no, we're going to look at it a little differently this morning. We're not going to necessarily look at it from the world's mindset of esteeming and respecting moms, which is valid and true and important and necessary. But it's also limited because it's man's view. And so this morning, I want to do something a little different. We're going to take a look at honor from God's perspective. And if you know me, if you've been around me at all, you know I think perspective is crucial. In fact, I believe that God says that our elevation, how high we go, determines our perspective. And so this morning, I want to elevate our thinking and maybe challenge your view of what honor is just a little bit. And we're going to take a look at honor from God's point of view. Does that sound good? Yes. Can we do that? All right. Awesome. I love it. So when, uh, when we think about honor, I would imagine that most of you would think about the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments says, Honor your father and your mother that your life will go well with you. It's, one, it's the only commandment that has a promise attached to it, right? It has a promise that if you honor, you have a full and abundant life. And how many, how many of us want a full and abundant life? I could say probably almost every hand should be up in this room, right? So honor is important to God. And honoring our parents is important. But we don't just stop there. And I know many of you in this room are moms. All of us in this room have had a mom. And the honor is, is important with moms. But today I don't want you to get hung up on honors only for moms and, and dads. Right? I want you to realize that today every person in this room holds immense, intense value in the heart of God. And so today, this message is for each one of you, whether you are a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, or whether you have no earthly attachment, maybe all of your family is gone, you hold value. And wherever you're at in life, young or old, just like we saw in the video a minute ago, you hold value in God's eyes. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'd like to start by defining the word honor. And I'm not going to take the definition out of Uh, the dictionary. I'm going to give you uh, a little different twist on honor. It's probably up there behind me. Honor, the definition of honor is accurately acknowledging 
who people are. Think about that for just a moment. You're thinking about who people are, and you're going to accurately acknowledge who they are. Years back, when Bruce and I were first married, uh, a movie came out in the, in the theaters, and I'm sure lots of you, especially if you're a woman, saw this movie, because uh, it's definitely a chick flick. It's a funny movie. It's called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. How many of you have seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding? All right, not that I'm endorsing the movie, but it is it's quite humorous. And uh, in this movie, it's all about a big Greek family, right? They're loud, they're boisterous, they are in each other's business, they work for each other, they play together, they eat together, and they're always together. Um, and the main char- one of the main characters, the, the patriarch of the family, the father, Gus, is always challenging the youth that are in the neighborhood and may be in his carpool to find any word in the English language. And I'll show you, what does he say? The root of the word is in Greek, right? That's what he says. Now, I'm not Greek, and I don't have the best Greek accent, but he does it pretty well. Well, today I want to challenge you to think about honor, and we're going to go back to the root. There is a Greek word for for honor, but we're going to talk about another honor, or another word that uh, is rooted in honor, and that word is love. When I look out into this room, I can look at every single one of your faces and every mom in here that I know personally, I know you love well. I've seen you love your kids. I've seen you love your spouses. I've seen you love your parents. You are a church that loves well. And I don't say that lightly. I really mean it. But I want to go a little deeper in love. And some of you may be here for the first time. And maybe some of you don't quite understand this love that we're going to be talking about over the next few minutes. And so I ask that you just open your heart and allow God to speak to you about this intense love that is the very foundation of what honor is. I got a card for Mother's Day, opened it this morning, and thought it was quite humorous. Uh, it says, rub your hands across this, and it feels like velvet, So you're, and it says, go ahead, feel right here. And then you open it up and it says, just wanted you to feel the love on Mother's Day. Right? We're feeling loved. All of us want to feel loved. All of us want to feel valued. But some of us don't know what that feels like. Some of us haven't had great relationships with our moms and dads. Maybe you don't have a great relationship even with your children. And you feel like you're not loved. And that's a hard place to be in. But this morning, I'm not talking about man's view of of love and the mindset of feelings and emotions. We're diving into God's perspective. Remember, we're going to climb up that mountain and we're going to look from the heights and see what is honor. And honor is rooted in not the love that is man's feelings and emotions and affections. It's rooted in the love of God. And God's love is way different. God's love looks different. God's love is not a feeling. Love is actually a person. It says in the Bible that God is love. So we're looking now at the person of God and who he is, the attributes, what makes him, what defines his nature. And we're looking at that as love, opposed to 
the feelings that we might get when we uh, encounter others and have a relationship with others. And when I think of um, love, of course, the love chapter pops into my mind, but I really believe that God wants to show us something different in that verse, in those verses, in that chapter this, this morning. Excuse me. So if you would, open up your Bibles or your devices to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter in the New Testament. It's also on the screen behind me. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient, love is kind. It is not jealous, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not selfish, it is not angry, it is forgiving. We often think of love as an emotion, but here we clearly see it as an adjective. Did you see that list? It started describing who God is. We could replace the word love with God. And we could say God is patient, kind, not jealous, not rude. He goes down that list. Those are attributes of who God is, the very core of who God is. And then in verse 6, it switches. The verse continues. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes and always perseveres. Love does not fail. In 1 Corinthians 13, I believe uh, that this whole concept of love has two parts. It's the personhood of Christ. It's the personhood, the nature of God. And then out of that nature flows what he does. He is kind. He is patient. He is um, not unselfish, right? He's not selfish. He's not proud. And then because of who he is, flows out what he does. He protects. He hopes. He perseveres. And those are all things that we get to do as well. It's not just God, because why? God lives in us. And if the, the king of glory, the personhood of Christ, lives in us, then we have that nature, and out of that nature can flow those actions. Love is a person, and out of that person flows actions. That is what is the foundation of honor. Honor is rooted in that type of love. How many of you want that type of love? If you have invited Jesus into your heart, you have that type of love living in you. You don't have to want it. You have access to it. You have access to it. So that's the foundation of honor. All right, we've laid the ground floor. Now let's look at the structure, the walls, so to speak, of what honor is. Honor is life-giving. John 3.16 says, that God so loved the world. Are you part of this world? All right, that includes you then. God so loved the world, each and every one of you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. That full, abundant life that we're talking about. Remember the whole definition of honor, accurately acknowledging who people are? Well, where does that come from? Honor, when we honor others, we have that full and abundant life. And that life 
is what we're talking about right now. The structure of what honor is, is full, life-giving abundance. My mom, otherwise known as Nana, to some of her, how many, nine grandchildren, she loves to give gifts. She is a genuine gift giver. That's probably her number one love language, I would say. She's got a couple, but I would say gift giving is one. She loves to take the kids out, and even if they just go to the thrift stores, um, they get to find special treasures, right? They go out in search of the perfect thing that they can take home with them. And Nana got this for me. Look, it's amazing. And it's like a rock, right? No, it's not. They, they find random things at the thrift store. Have you guys ever gone? and it's, it's fun to search through all these things. Well, they know if they spend a day with Nana, they not only get something, mostly, they get a special treat because Nana loves to give treats. She loves ice cream. She loves soda. She loves candy and cookies. She's the best Nana in the world. And they know if they spend time with Nana, they're going to walk away on a sugar high. It's a given. It's a given. Now, that's not to say she only feeds them sugar. I want to clarify. She, she cares about them and feeds them protein and good food, too. But she's Nana, so she gets to spoil them. I, on the other hand, I'm the mom, the responsible one, right? And I have to care. I say that tongue-in-cheek. I have to deal with my children all day long and all night long. And if they are on a sugar high, do you think I'm going to be happy and they're going to be happy and dad's going to be happy? They might be. Moms have to give protein. Moms have to feed vegetables and fruit and all the good stuff to their kids, right? I know I have a mom. She fed me good stuff when I was little. She still feeds me good stuff. She just gives the kids sugar. I don't know. I guess you have to be a grandkid. I don't know. But remember that Greek word? Actually, I don't even know that we went there. There's a Greek word for honor, timaeos. And uh, it talks about the cost, the value that's found in honor. And I'd like to look at um, Isaiah 55. Isaiah is one of my favorite books. I love Isaiah. Maybe because of the prophetic influence in it, and that's just what burns inside of me. But Isaiah, in chapter 55, is actually one of my life chapters. There's just so many nuggets in it that I applied to my own life. And starting in verse 1, here's what it says. And I'm going to read it from the message version because I really, really like it. It says, Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come away, buy and eat. Come, buy your drinks, buy wine and milk, buy without money. Everything's free. Why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? And Aubrey says, amen. That's her favorite. Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the finest. Fill yourself with only the finest. Pay attention. Come close. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life nourishing words. Isaiah here is showing us that there's a difference. We have a choice between eating what 
can temporarily bring satisfaction. I mean, sugar and candy and all that kind of stuff, it's fun. But is it life-sustaining? No. Or we have, on the other hand, something that is worth value, and it costs us sometimes. And it's finding the things that matter most, finding the things that are the finest, the best, those things that are life-giving and life-nourishing. So we have an invitation. And he talks about these life-nourishing words. When we're feeding life to other people, we're feed, we're feed, when we're giving them words, when we're speaking into people, we're either speaking life or death. Right? It says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Our words are powerful. And when we speak into people, when we're having conversations, when we're telling our kids what we think of them or what they need to do, we're either partnering with life or partnering with death. The junk food or the good stuff, right? I'm not talking about you anymore, Nana. We're talking about Isaiah. (laughs) I guarantee that if we choose to be critical, condemning, Even if we think we're doing it for the right reason, I want my kids to be the best. I want to make them strong, right? Our words are powerful. How do we say things? Do we present it in a way where it's life-giving? Or or do we present it in a way where we think it's going to help them, but really it's just crushing them? That is not only true for mothers and children. It's true for relationships, peers. How do we talk to each other? Are we encouraging? Are we giving life? Or are we telling you what we think you need to hear because we think you need to hear it? Just asking. Honor feeds life to those around us. Honor is rooted in love. And love is patient and love is kind. And love is not jealous. So are we speaking words of life that are patient and kind and not jealous and not rude? Words are powerful. In fact, God slung the, the world, the galaxies, the stars into existence by what? A single word. He said, light be. And we have light. Words are powerful. And that same God who spoke the galaxies into existence, who is love, he lives inside of us. He gives us the ability to speak life. So mothers feed, right? Moms are good for it. Moms feed life. They also name their children. Dads, you get a part in it too, I guess. But when, when Bruce and I were thinking about what to name our kids, Ian wasn't born yet. He was our first, and so we had this long list of names. What are we going to name him? And we read through all the baby books, and uh, there were lots of good options. We had a few we could agree on. But Bruce really, really wanted to name our firstborn son, Bruce Clegg III. (laughs) There's Bruce Sr., amazing guy, love him to death. Bruce Jr., amazing guy, been married to him almost 17 years. It's confusing when we're at family parties. Are we talking about your Bruce or my Bruce? Which Bruce are we talking about? Oh, Bruce. Oh, Dad. But he's a dad. I'm confused. 
So he went by Brucey for a long time. Don't go calling him Brucey. What have I done? He grew up as Brucey. That's who he is. When we got married, though, I couldn't call him Brucey. I just couldn't do it. When, we, when I was 13, I could call him Brucey, but not when we got married. Um, so I just said, honey, I really want to find a name that just fits who our son is going to be. And I'd had dreams about who he's going to be, and I had words planted in my heart. I knew who he was going to be. And Briarwood Thicket, that's the meaning for Bruce. Okay, and spiritually speaking, he is a protector. He hedges people around. And it's also thorny. He's a little prickly if you get too close. Well, obviously, we have Ian. He didn't get named Bruce the Third, But I did wager with Bruce. Well, we had a little agreement. Ian was, was due in March, around the 3rd of March. And, and it was March is the third month. I said, and it was in 2003, I said, if he is born on March 3rd, 2003, at 3.33 p.m. or a.m., doesn't matter, 3.33, we will name him Bruce the Third. Because then I will know God wants him to be Bruce the Third. Oh, man, he was pushing, making me do jumping jacks. Well, Ian was born on the 5th which happens to be my favorite number and is the number for grace and is why we named him the beloved of God because God loves him so much. <laughs> Aren't you glad? Moms get to name their kids. We get to see who they're going to be and we get to speak into that identity. It's not just an accident. I want to go back and I want to talk a little bit about Jesus and who he was. Remember, we're talking about words. And right now we're talking about speaking life into our kids and speaking life into each other. And I want to read John 1.14, which says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's defining Jesus as the word of God. Second Peter Chapter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given to us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. That word participate means partake in His divine nature. His divine power has given you everything you need for this life. You get to eat of his words. You get to take his words in as nourishment and then you get to give them out to those around you, to your spouse, to your children, to your co-workers, everyone around you. If you are truly eating of the word of God, you have that inside of you to freely give. And it's not that junk food we were talking about before. It's that life-giving, life-nourishing, sustaining truth that can impact hearts, change lives, and call out destinies in people. Do you want to speak those kinds of words? I do. So how do we feed them Jesus? Growing up, 
we had this picture hanging in our house. And in fact, we had an earlier version of it. Do we have the picture there? We had a, a, even an a earlier version of this photo, which was done on a typewriter. This one is, is not. This one's handwritten. Do you see the shading? Can you tell what that's a picture of? It's Jesus, right? Not just a picture of Jesus. Can we see the next slide? Can you tell what makes up the... Yeah. It's words. It's, it's scripture. Scripture was written out with different um, definition and different intensity, right? The darker it gets, it fills in parts of him. The lighter it gets, the lighter shading. His face. The Beatitudes we figured out. Sermon on the Mount. God is word. The word of God, Jesus, is the word of God in flesh. His DNA is the power of God. He can speak things into existence. That's how we feed others Jesus. We take in who he is. We read his word. We make it part of our daily exercise, not because we have to, not because it's an obligation, not because it will get us into heaven. Reading this will not get you into heaven. Reading this and believing who Christ is for you and that he that God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins is, is how you receive eternal life, right? This is for our benefit so that we can write the words of, of who he is on our heart so that we can live life on this side of heaven well. Are we going to need this when we're in heaven? No, it's for this side. This is to create and form and mold and help us understand who God is and who we are. Because words are powerful, and they call out destiny. Danny Silk has a quote. <clears throat> I don't know if you know who Danny Silk is. He's an author and a speaker. He uh, talks a lot about love and honor, and he has some great books out about calling out the treasure in your child and loving them well. He says this, Recognize God-given identities and roles. God gives us names, and we must treat people according to those names, not the aliases they receive from people. How many of you feel like sometimes people around you haven't honored you, they've given you aliases that you find yourself living up to? They tell you something, and you start to believe it as truth, and that's how you then behave. We all do it. Is that our true God-given identity? It's just a man's alias. Honor sees who people really are. If you want to honor others, you're going to ask God, Who are they really inside? I I see what they're putting off. I see how they're treating people. I kind of get a feeling of, of who they think they are. Who are they really? Honor sees into the very core and draws out who people are. That's how honor is life giving. See, moms see the best in their kids. We're not blind. We know their faults, right? We know their struggles. We know when they. 
give us trouble, but moms truly believe the best about their kids. Usually. I mean, maybe you didn't have a mom who did that for you, and I'm sorry. But moms are supposed to see the potential in kids. We're all supposed to see the potential in each other. We're a family. We're the family of God. We do that for each other. We give life. That's what honor is. Drawing value and treasure out of people is the most life-giving thing you can do. It's the most honoring thing you can do. Not see who they think they are, not see how they're acting, but see from God's perspective. Remember, we're talking about God's view of honor right now. And if we start to draw out who they really are, it gives them the chance to be the best Ian, the best Gary, the best Charlene, the best person that we could be, right? I am sure that if I ask any of you in this room, you would tell me that you do have deep desires and longings and gifts and hopes and dreams that are they're kind of buried inside. Maybe some of you are, are realizing those things finally after many years, and maybe some of you have kind of suppressed them, and you think, oh, that just was a, a fancy notion that I thought of way back when. I, it's not applicable to my life right now. You need people around you who can see those things that may be dormant, that are applicable right now, even if you don't think they are. You need people in your life who can draw out those hopes and those dreams and those giftings so that you can be the best person you can be. That is what honor does, and that is how honor gives life. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, it's easy. We can pray. We can ask God to give us supernatural wisdom like less. Let's ask for supernatural insight into this lady's life. Things he could not have known. He was drawing out her identity. Her daughter, he was telling her, your daughter's not going to die. Was it because he thought that? No, because God told him that. He called out into existence and drew out truth because he, he prayed and he asked for supernatural wisdom goes back to reading the Word. Do we read the Word and find promises in here that we can pray over each other? I pray Scripture over my kids. I pray Scripture over my husband. I pray Scripture over myself. Is there a verse in here that you can take this week, one verse, I'm challenging you to just one verse, that you can take and pray through every day and say, I, I know this is a promise. God, you said this is true. And if your word is true and it's applicable to me, which it is, this is for all of us, I'm going to pray this over my life. And I challenge you to do it every day for this week. And then ask at the end, see if your mindset hasn't changed, if you don't start believing that his word is true and that promise is for you. And then I challenge you to see if that promise doesn't start to start take action in your life. It will. His word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. His word can draw out the gold in each of us, the treasures. So I have this Kleenex box here. And um, it's just a normal Kleenex box, right? You see the tissue. 
If I told you that inside this tissue box, there's a treasure, how many of you would want to come and get the tissue box and look? You would, right? Not for you. No, God doesn't say that. God says, hey, it's for you. Do you want the treasure inside? What if I said there's sparkly diamonds and gold? Would you, you would like to start running up here and want to dig in, right? You think it's just a, a Kleenex box, but no, there's treasure inside. What if I say, I know you think you're just a nana, but you're not. You're a powerful woman of God who delivers the word with, with great excitement and great passion and great exuberance. And when you do, it strikes to the heart of people. That's truth, people. She thinks she's just a Kleenex box. I'm just using it as an example. But what I just spoke over her is truth. When she speaks, the demons flee. I've seen it. Like, literally seen it. If I gave her this box and said, this is your life, there's treasure inside, and I give her a little taste of who she is, do you think she's going to start saying, maybe I want to look inside? Look inside. See if, see if there's treasure in there. Candy. <laughs> Cotton candy, right? No, I said it was sparkly and gold. Did I lie? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Sorry. Love you. Right? That's what we think. Yeah. I, I can hardly wake up Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bruce, is, Bruce is speaking on Father's Day. I don't know if you want. <laughs> Sorry. Got to rearrange. No, it's not your fault. All right. Hold on. There we go. All right, so ask God for supernatural wisdom. Read his word. Discern their natural gifts. If I look at somebody, I can kind of figure out what natural giftings they have. A lot of times, those natural giftings play a role in the spiritual side of things, don't you think? Who gave them the natural gifts? God, right? And ask questions. Ask your kids. Ask your parents. Ask your, your youth. Ask your coworkers. Ask your peers. What things make your heart sing? Ask them. They'll tell you. And if they do, then you help encourage them to draw those things out of them. Identity and destiny are intertwined, and you can't fulfill your destiny without the proper understanding of who you are. You can't know who you are without knowing who God is calling you to become. You may not be that yet, but prophecy is an invitation to become something great. Spoken words, life-giving words, not critical junk food, life-giving words are an invitation. He's beckoning you to become something greater. Honor's life-giving, guys. And the last thing, I'm going to finish up here. Honor is liberating. If you have someone who loves you well and speaks life into your heart, and draws out who you are, your identity, your, your who, what makes you who you are. Does that feel oppressive? No. It's life-giving. It's liberating. 
you feel alive, you could conquer the world. Honor doesn't put people in bondage. Honor doesn't control people. Honor frees people. Remember, honor's all about love. And it goes back to the word who became flesh. And the Holy Spirit came. And it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. Honor frees people to be themselves. Honor applauds others' differences. It shows the necessity for community, the interdependence among believers. Honor builds the family and gives capacity, gives space, gives a platform for people to experience God's goodness. When you honor others, it only reveals God's goodness. It doesn't make you look great. You're doing it because of him. He's in you. The hope of glory. Today's Mother's Day, and we've talked about honor. But again, I want to reiterate, as much as I'm honoring you women right now, and I am, I'm thankful for each one of you and the influence you've had in my life. I don't want you to get hung up on, if I'm not a biological mother, I can't have these things. It's not true. Motherhood is more than having biological children. Motherhood and fatherhood, guys, is about nurturing, discipling, giving, loving, and believing that those you raise up will become better than yourself. My parents have sowed into us because they want us to have more than they ever did. I sow into my children because I want my ceiling to be their floor. I want them to rise higher than I ever could or can. But it's not just about biological children. Everyone in this room can receive honor and give honor. And everyone in this room can take on a peer, a youth, a coworker, someone who they serve as somewhat of a spiritual mother or father to. College-age kids, you guys can do it to our youth. You guys be mentors to our kids. Show them what it's like to live life well. We each have a privilege and an obligation because we're in a family. And so this morning, I want to close with this. Honor allows us to give to others, receive the gift of who they are, and gives capacity to experience God's fullness. How many of us want to take a moment and ask God to shift our paradigm just a little bit about one of the three things that we talked about this morning? Why don't you all close your eyes for just a moment? If you feel like you have not experienced the love of God, the love that is sacrificial and selfless, and you want to see that love birthed and come alive in your heart because he sent his son to die on the cross for you. If that resonates with you at all, can you raise your hand and show me that you want to receive Jesus this morning and that power. 
his love? If you feel like you don't love well, confess that to God right now in the quietness of your heart. God, I am not the epitome of love. I hold grudges. I don't forgive. I'm critical. I'm not patient. If those are things that you find yourself doing, confess them right now to Jesus and say, God, forgive me for not walking in love this morning. You've birthed love in my heart. All I have to do is access it. I'm going to choose from this moment on to walk in love. And maybe for some of you, this whole life-giving words thing has really struck a chord in your heart. You want to find someone who will speak life to you because you don't have that right now. I challenge you to be that person for someone else, and guess what? They'll come. If you be that life giver to someone else, people are going to give life back to you. God, I just pray right now in this moment that you would show us what life-giving honor is all about. That you would help us grab that one promise this week and walk it out, pray it out, live it out, and speak life and not death. Help us to speak into people's hearts and call out the treasure that's buried deep inside. Help us to see people through your eyes, who they really are. Not the, God, not the man assigned aliases, but the God assigned roles and identities of who people are so that we can accurately acknowledge who they are and show honor. And God, we thank you that in doing this, you will bring freedom. You promise that freedom will take place and we will no longer be held captive in under bondage and control, but we will be liberated and free to love you and serve you and, and call out others and disciple and mentor like you desire for us. So God, I pray that you not only bless the moms in this room right now with a supernatural blessing of who you see them to be, God, but I ask that for each one of of the people in this room. I want to just give you a moment. I feel like God's saying, let's stop and let's quiet our heart and let's ask him for one word that he wants to reveal to you about yourself, one treasure that's in your heart that you may not be aware of or that you may have forgotten about or that he wants to highlight to you this morning. Let's wait here for just a moment and ask him to reveal one thing that lies deep within us, that he wants to draw out.